Watch Me Write listeners. This is another bonus chat with a fellow founder. And this is Gavin Zuklinski, the founder, say that three times fast, the founder of Acuity Scheduling. And I met Gavin a couple, I think years ago now even, uh, when he emailed into the other podcast I co-host with my buddy Paul Jarvis called Invisible Office Hours, and he wanted to sponsor an episode and I'd never heard of acuity scheduling. I, I didn't know anything about it, but I did know that I hated dealing with time zones and getting people to book time on my calendar and even just doing consulting calls and getting people to sign up for time on my calendar was such a pain. And then I found acuity and it felt like such a great fit for our podcast. And we've just continued to work together on any weird project that I come up with that has some type of sponsor angle. Gavin always seems to be able to shoot me straight one way or the other, whether he wants in or he doesn't want to do it. And we get into that in this chat about setting aside some marketing money for having fun, but also just what it takes to build a successful software product as I had in the conversation with Spencer from Coach, which is another episode you can find in this podcast. But really enjoyed this chat with Gavin, a fun look behind the scenes of an app or a piece of software that you probably haven't heard of but that's doing really well. They've grown to 15 employees, and Gavin just seems to be owning the fact that he has a fun scheduling piece of software. It's, it's nothing sexy. It's not going to be on the cover of any uh, entrepreneurial magazines, but it provides an incredible living for himself, for his employees, and he's just built a really nice business for himself over the past 10 years. So have a listen. Gavin, congrats on your 10 years, 11 years. Uh, no one knows when the actual date was, but I uh, hope you continue to sponsor my weird ideas. I thank you for all your support. And everybody, I hope you enjoy this candid chat. All right, my friend, informal conversation about acuity scheduling. First, the the not so standard background. Like what, why did this thing come together? Why do you care about scheduling at all? Like what? Why does this exist? Oh, well, you want the not so standard one. My standard one is I created it for my mom, who's a massage therapist, Um, which is true. The the not so standard one is I created it for my mom, who's a massage therapist, because at the time I was doing web development contracting and I thought, hey, this would be a great way to like try to get some new clients. We get a hook in with small businesses and then they'll want me to integrate it into their website and then I'll be able to go from there and try to get them to, you know, like sign me up for everything else. Um, That part, that tanked, that failed (laughs) miserably. I did not get, I got zero clients from this. Let's talk about, well, I'll even go a step further back because I don't even think I've asked you this is, so web design before acuity scheduling, what was, what was your life like before creating your first, or if this wasn't your first SaaS app? Yeah, this, well, this was the first SaaS app, but prior to that, um, so acuity was 2006, 2007 ish timeframe, which is pretty far back. Yeah. 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 It, it was lingering around for a while because it was a part-time project, um, and then even prior to that, too, I was, uh, well, I created this while I was in college, too. So uh, before that, I was really just doing some web development contracting. I had found some clients through friends, through uh, those uh, some different sites uh, on the Internet, too, and had a pretty steady income from that. Um, but then after I created this, I figured I would do it sort of as a, as a SaaS thing, um, just because that recurring revenue stream is awful tempting uh and and also because i thought that it could parlay well into clients um and honestly i I didn't i didn't try that hard um after 
after college, I ended up getting a full-time job that I absolutely loved with the government, um, but kept this going as a side project. I still did web development on the sides too. And because it was slowly growing, very slowly, but still slowly and steadily growing. I mean, it's been 10 years. Did you celebrate officially the 10-year mark of Acuity? Was oh, it man. on your calendar? Whenever people ask, too, I like to say 2006, 2007-ish because I don't, I don't remember at all. So I had it like one time I tried to go back. I was like, well, who is my oldest like person who is emailing it? Like I can go through the database and find my oldest users. And I'm like thinking, I know I had support questions about all of these things. I had another email account. Um, it was originally hosted on DreamHost, their shared hosting provider. And I... My mailbox there, I got so much mail that Thunderbird crashes when I try to load it all in. They have squirrel mail, the web mail, and that one just like just shits itself whenever I try to search through anything on there. So honestly, I actually I actually don't know my oldest email about Acuity, which is when I would I there was like there was a point, so after I built it, uh, I had my mom on it. It was designed it as a multi-tenant platform too because I knew we wanted to share it with more than one person. Uh, had been doing just development on and off. I think it was only like a couple of weeks or a month before I got um, her on it. And then I opened it up and put the website online for people to sign up and just did like a PayPal buy now button, like not even a real sign up form or anything. Um, and so people ended up signing up and then I emailed a bunch of friends after after a while and like that that emailing people telling them that this thing exists would have been to me the real official birthday and <laughs> no clue when that is. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you develop it yourself? Did you write the code or did you hire someone? To oh do no, it? I wrote, I wrote the code all, all myself. I, I am a tech geek at heart. I am not a marketer at all. I am, I am, <laughs> I am not somebody like you. Um, you say that, but you think like a marketer, like for people who don't know you from other than just hearing about your company name from things that I've done or whatever is like, you care so much about good copy. You care so much about like the little gifts and like the fun things that you do. Like, and I mean, gifts and like gifts that you send your customers, but also gifts and like gifs that we send each other back and forth via email. Like, I think you, you like shortchange yourself a little bit, which a lot of people do where they think like. I'm not a marketer, but I think you have some of that stuff ingrained in you, which is probably why Acuity has been successful is because you have thought about those things. That's true. And I care deeply about kittens riding Roombas. <laughs> yeah. Very important that those GIFs get sent. That, that is a core marketing skill. <laughs> it Well, it actually has become one now. Also with Jiffy being valued at almost a billion dollars of a company. Are you serious? I hadn't heard that yeah. one. Holy they shit. got purchased by, or no, maybe it was a valuation or purchase, something around like 700 20 million <laughs> yeah that's exactly ridiculous but also it is a core part of acuity you have no idea how much that has helped <laughs> i i don't have to go through google as much or any of that um but yeah like for marketing too with acuity i went to originally market it like i mentioned i emailed it out to a group of friends and really just did seo um which back to as that time frame 2007 2008 actually worked you could add keywords and things would show up higher um but then besides that emailed basic bloggers and everything else but when you're a small company people ignore you unless you can do something interesting um so for a good year i took a good couple of years i took a hiatus from any marketing paid marketing outreach or anything else and did it continue to grow organically because it was just a good product that worked or did it completely stagnate because oh no it, it it still grew organic so the problem too is i can't ignore it like if i created it if somebody emails in i am going to help them and that's what happened too is 
I had a job that I loved working with the government and Acuity was out there and it was on the internet and people were signing up for it um, and I wasn't promoting it. I wasn't really doing anything, but people would email in and I don't know, say that they had some sort of problem or, or wanted, you know, clients to be able to reschedule appointments. And I'd be like, all right, that's fair. Or like, I can't let that bug stay in there. All right, I'll fix it. And then because the owner of the company emailed them and took like actually took care of them personally, we developed a really good following just based off of customer support. And that's something that I really tried to keep as we've grown a lot more too. So just, I'm guessing just you in the beginning for those first couple of years, kind of wearing all the hats, what does Acuity look like now, let's say 10 years later, now that you've been going for that long? Oh yeah, I still wear most of the hats too. I really wish I had a birthday party for it now that you say that. <laughs> like, I had a birthday party for my puppy, but not my company. Just make one up. Just literally Dude. pick a date and make it up. All like, right. Whatever. All right. It's today then. Yay. All right. um, <laughs> yeah. So I still I still wear a lot of the hats too because we're we're 15 people right now. So not incredibly huge, but um, very profitable. And I think a large part of that too is I take everything really personally when it comes to acuity just because back then when I did, it helped and it helped grow the company. And I think today it still does too when I see users and make exceptions for them and, and do features and improve and listen closely. And to listen closely, I feel that you have to stay in touch with a lot of that. And when we're at the size that we are right now, I'm not forced away from that. It's not to the point where I'm forced away from a lot of those things. I've had to scale back from support. I can't spend half my day doing that, but still try to do yeah. like five tickets a day to stay in, um, talk a lot with all of our support people. Um, back then, it used to be probably about, um, I don't know, like 30% of my time doing customer support, 70% development. Then over time at about like the eight year mark, um, when I, when I switched to going full time with acuity, it was probably about 80% of my time doing support, 20% of my time, like ripping out my hair and trying to do bug fixes and development. Uh, and now it's gone a little bit more so that I'm doing so much less support. I have a team for that. That was the first thing that I hired in. And I still do a lot of development because I enjoy it. It's fun to build something. I think that's why I got into it originally was to build something. Yeah, you touched on a couple things that I, I want to dig into a little bit here. One of which is the like, so eight year mark is when you kind of went full time. What what did that look like to you? Like, what was there just like a bing moment where you're like, okay, it's time to go full time, or did something lead up to that? Oh yeah, great question. So I I worked for uh, the government. Um, absolutely love the job, but. It had some weird hours. I was working night shifts for a little while, or like swing shifts, all sorts of different things. So I was had a this was in Maryland, uh, Washington D.C. at the time that area, and I was sleeping on the floor of like my town home that we were trying to sell. So it was completely vacant, and there's just me in this dark, cold town home with like <laughs> a glowing laptop and a sheet because luckily the carpet was just a little bit thick enough that I could sleep on it at night and I was answering support tickets and like doing development on there and when I was doing that and then going into night shifts and then just being like dead tired and then on my way back from night shift at like 6 a.m. in the morning on my iPhone trying to reply to emails um, going around the beltway it was, it was not a good time. And that's when I figured this is a bit unhealthy to try to keep up. I should really hire somebody. But I loved my day job and I didn't want to leave it. So I hired mm. my first support person because that was the bulk of my time. Um, but then 
I also didn't have access to a phone or email or internet really during the day. So you can't really have an employee, it turns out, and not be able to communicate <laughs> with them during their work day. That's recipe for disaster. So that's why I decided to go full time too. Great. Well, yeah, because you can make this is and this is like the way I, my mind has been reframed is like when you invest in the thing that you've created, you can get 100 percent of the return. Right. Like you you can only get so much of the return of like the next step on a corporate ladder. Like you can't control that. Or even if you're building something with, you know, another company and it's a small company, you, you still don't get 100 percent of like the money that comes in. And and I think that's the thing where a lot of people sell themselves short on any idea or thing they're putting out into the world is that they don't realize that like, they're like, what, what investment should I make? It's like, well, you should invest in your ideas first because you get to reap all the benefits. You get to reap all the rewards. It's just, it may take you a lot more work than just giving someone $10,000 and saying like, turn this into $100,000. Like that doesn't happen really ever. So um, I was going to even try and drill you a little bit further on the money. Like where was Acuity at money-wise at that point? Was it making enough money every month? Did it have enough in the bank where you said like, I've got six months, I can do this. Like here's my runway. Or you just, you were swimming in it. So you're just like, well, I'm fine. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually it was the the latter case. I was making more from Acuity than I was during my full-time job. So that was also part of the decision. Like I loved my day job. Like the motivation that I got from there was incredible. So it was legitimately a tough decision, even though my part-time company was making more than my day job. Uh, but it got to the point too where, like I said before, I like I can't have my name on it and be doing everything. Like I can't just step back and like let it die a natural death. I figured if I was gonna yeah. do it, I had to like actively try to kill it, which I had tried to do once before and failed. Um, and I just couldn't. But yeah, so the I think when I I I left to go full time was making like a uh, hundred or hundred and fifty thousand a year, so like it's a decent. And for just me at the time, it was it was a decent salary yeah. to take, considering expenses were so so low too. Uh, I'm I'm curious when you think back to like some of the decisions that you made, maybe really early on, like to me it sounds like because your mom was who you built this for, you maybe always had this like love might be the wrong word, but like you had these, like these emotions for acuity, you know, like you had these feelings like, well, I got to take care of this because my mom uses it, you know, like, and that may have driven you to always be so great at customer support and service and to put that forward. Do you think that's it? Or do you think there's something else that drives you to really care about your customers so much? Uh, yeah, honestly, I, I think it's just because I was the only person there. I, so right now I have all of our developers do support too, just because I, when I did development and everything else, if you're not directly speaking to the person who's angry with you, you're not very motivated. You'll just go like, ah, they're a crazy ass person. Like, I'm not going to listen to that person. Um, so, but when you have them contacting you directly, and it's not that they, like, people are angry that you've developed an absolute shit product, but oftentimes I would see, like, frustration would be, like, you're, you're like 80% of the way there. If you just do this extra little bit, it would be absolutely perfect for my business. And those are the ones that I that I loved hearing about. Not the people where it's not perfect for and they're not the right customer that I'm after. Um, I think one of the hardest parts, though, early on was defining who my customer was. Um, I honestly totally underestimated the market. I didn't think that now that I think back, I'm like, shit, small businesses, appointment scheduling, that's a lot. But anyway, I was like, how many people like my mom can there be out there? I figured like, I don't want large companies. I want small ones. And I thought business too. And I was like, there's like, I don't know. I can't, I can't think of that many people. It can't be that big. Let me like not, not go for a specific vertical and just keep it open. And uh, because of that, it was sort of like, 
circling and try like figuring out the features to develop was a little bit difficult because I would rely on feedback but at the same time you have so many different verticals that in my mind were the right customer um, yeah it was it was tough to figure out the features so we slowly circled until we got the right ones who so who has the like perfect customer if you will or at least the one that you focus on the most who has that become for you guys for the vertical for acuity because i know for me it's that's actually a transition period for tea tree right now that we're trying to figure out like i want to be more clear because i also know that it's like the concentric circles game right like you start with this circle and then what you'll do is you'll attract people on the outer cir circle of that and then the outer circle of that and it'll grow but yeah what does that look like for you yeah, so it's interesting. What I'm actually, now that I look back, it's kind of good that I played it so slow and played it non-vertical specific uh, because we have a really great just general appointment following um, and there's so much overlap between verticals now that I have so much experience for it. So uh, now I sort of defined three target customers. Um, uh, one is my mom who's like the solo business owner who actually makes money about it. Um, the, the second is, um, is like a, a larger sales team of multiple people who are going through, um, so, and maybe not necessarily charging for appointments. Um, and then the third, well, shit, I forget the third, uh, <laughs> but the focus of all of them is back then it was just, Hey, if you want to schedule an appointment, like we'll try to make it right for you. Now it is focused on strictly small businesses, um, strictly people whose day-to-day -day revolves around appointments. So really people mm -hmm. who care deeply about appointments. Um, back then I tried to do more for just general meeting scheduling, like you're a web developer and maybe once or twice a week you have to do meetings, but you aren't so good with time zones. And I mean, we still work well for those types of people, but they don't make good customers. Right, right. Yeah, I think it's really important that I mean, obviously, any software product is going to evolve as you continue to build it or as people continue to use it. And one of the kind of discussion points that came up with Spencer from Coach that I didn't really see coming that was interesting to me, at least, was they have a feature roadmap, right? And they look at that. And even if they get hundreds of customers who say, like, I want this feature and it's not on their roadmap, they won't do it. And that's, that's such a weird thing to me because maybe you're more like me where I'm like, I hear a hundred people screaming for something. I'm like, all I want to do is make them happy. So I'll put off everything else and I'll interject that thing so that I can say, I just made a hundred people happy. Those people are going to be customers for life or at least like great brand advocates. And, and he's actually seen it work the other way where he's like, no, like I believe in the product we're building. We have the right team. We have the right people. Like we'll get that feature in eventually, but we don't do that. So I'm curious if you are more like Spencer or if you're kind of more like me where you listen to the customer first. Oh, hundred percent. I'm more like you. So for our roadmap, um, I like, I def instead of defining the exact features that I want to do, uh, generally I'll think about themes for the different quarters and I'll think about quarterly type of just general themes and about 50% of our time development wise is going to be spent on supporting those types of ones. Uh, like a while back, I was like, we need to really ramp up our payments. So we just did a ton with payments and vaulting and credit card processors and all sorts of different ones, making it easier to charge and do multiple payments and all of this fancy work. Uh, but at the same time, I like, customers come back. I don't necessarily listen to the most vocal, like we keep track of every single thing. So we'll listen to like, if it's clear that it supports a, uh, a business, like it supports a use case for one of the core businesses. And we, I have like a, just a really good general feel for what those types of ones will be. Um, 
will absolutely do it usually. Um, so if it's people who are definitely our target customer yelling about something, 100%, like that's a no-brainer. Um, but at the same time, sometimes we'll have one person who's just clearly our target customer and it's just genuinely like I could see this helping other people and all it takes is that one person with a suggestion to do it. That also ties into level of effort and as we're progressing now, it's a little bit more. But I really don't think more than nine months ahead with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, it's interesting how I mean, obviously talking to you and knowing a little bit more about how you view your customers, the, the, just the difference. But I think it's fun that it works both ways. Like I, I love that like Spencer can do it his way, and we can kind of do it our way, and and it still works. It's just the option that you choose. Uh, what I wanted to kind of get to next is is marketing stuff, and you you're one of the people who like. I just love sending ideas to because number one, you'll just tell me straight up like, this is fun, I wanna do it, or like not for me, which I think is good. And I'm curious over time, have you, and I, I probably know the answer to this, has there been one or two marketing efforts that you've done that have just like worked gangbusters, you've loved it, you wish you could just keep doing that all the time? Or has it just been like a slow trickle of like everything kind of adding on to everything? <laughs> yeah, good question. Man, there has been no one marketing. So 90% of our traffic right now still comes through organic means. So either just like general SEO type of traffic. I think that's probably the only one that I'm so glad that I did the effort back in the day. Um, yeah. But I'm not even sure that was due to SEO. It was probably just due to having a good product and people sticking around and signing up for trials on our website. Um, yeah. And other than that, like I've experimented with a ton with just doing things like sponsorships with you guys. And uh, we do uh, paid marketing. We did sponsorships of websites, email, newsletter, like sponsorships um, and all sorts of, we tried content marketing for a while, uh, doing things with social and generally like I'll, I'll tip our toes into different areas. Cause some of these like content marketing require tons of effort um, to even see returns to. Um, and it's tough. Yeah. It's just been, there's been no clear winner. Yeah. I, I think it's just so telling about marketing in general. Like I feel like you, you cast a wide net and then you really find what you like. Right. I mean, that's at least been it for me is like, well, what do I want to pay for? And even if I know that it's not going to be a, a clear ROI of like pay this amount of money, get this amount of money back. Personally, my belief, and this has just been through years of experience is like, you're just never going to get that. Like if you can get that, you're winning, you're winning the entire marketing game. Like you figured it out because no one really gets that anymore, except for huge brands that spend like three million to make three and a half million. You know, like they can just play in that game and we can't even come close to playing those types of games. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting to me that, that you say that because I really, I love the fact that you do try. Like I remember, maybe it was like a year ago when we talked about Invisible Office Hours and then you were like, well, hey, I, I want to get on the podcast sponsorship train, like introduce me to any podcast you know that would be worth it or you think might be a good fit. And I'm, I'm actually curious just to like ask you here because I don't think I did before. Like, did you see a big return on going, like dipping your toes into that water and trying a bunch of those different things? Man, it was interesting. So there's been, there have been certain podcasts where we see like a definite return from more than other ones. And then there are some other ones that just absolutely just tank. And, but you're right. It's so hard to even just identify how much benefit we get from theirs. Um, so I... We, we chatted about podcast sponsorships before too, and now we've just done dozens of them. And some of them are obvious failures, some of them are obvious winners, and then there's a bunch that are just in this gray area too that I can't, like I can't figure out. And for those ones too, I'm trying to see like some of the intangibles with it too. Like, are we, you know, hanging around with guys that we'd want to have a beer with? 
or, or gals that we'd want to like actually have a beer with, hang out with. And if it's that type of person, if this is like the brand personality we want to be associated with, then I don't care as much about if it's clear to be winning uh, profitably. Um, but then also switching it up too, because if you generally, you guys keep pretty loyal listeners. So if, unless you're uh, churning your audience a whole ton, we're not getting as much value over sponsoring you season over season too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's just something to be said for as well, like being on the lookout for new things and interesting things. And um, so is it safe to say that like Acuity's main source of customers, just cause I'm actually curious for people listening to this is Organic search? Is that the majority where everyone finds you? Uh, organic search plus referrals, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I wish that we could see all the Google keywords like we used to so many years ago. But, yeah, uh, I have a good good hunch that a, a large number of those keywords, at least based off of different experiments that we've run, are also just people searching for acuity scheduling. But they're all lumped into our Google Analytics as, like, uh, Google organic results. Yeah. Yeah, and, and does that... I guess I'm curious too, as you look forward to like the continuing growth of Acuity, do you worry at all about like Google making changes and that affecting you? Because Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I wish everyone could have just seen your face. <laughs> the, the face was like a major O face in that, like, that's how I think about it too. For any of my stuff that gets good search, I'm like, God, Google could just flip this tomorrow and they could change something and you're just, you're, you know, it's completely out of your control. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Like that is my single biggest probably marketing fear too. And that's why, uh, we do, I still pay close attention to, um, paid advertising and we don't spend that much on paid, um, like just like 10, 10 grand a month or something like that now. But just because I don't want to be caught with my pants down in case something changes with that, I want to be able to ramp up and have all the metrics and know what is profitable in place. Um, but funny story too, uh, just last week, actually, we accidentally did a release that had uh, meta tag robots for like no index, no follow on our homepage and were dropped from Google and Bing oh and Yahoo for a couple of days. Luckily, one nice Twitter user was like, hey, do you guys know you have this uh, in there? <laughs> like, oh, fuck. Oh, um, but yeah, and it was interesting, though, to see that we didn't actually disappear. Like things did not tank that much. Um, so that actually made me a little less afraid because I had been actively looking every single day at our Google Analytics um, and had still seen traffic coming through and strangely enough, still organic traffic too. Um, so yeah, I'll, that used to be my biggest fear until uh, like a week or two ago. Speaking of fears, so let's talk about like what has been, what's been one of the hardest things in building a pretty successful software product over the course of 10 years? And I'm sure there's a lot of them, but is there one that clearly stands out in your mind? Yeah, so I think on the different phases, there have been a couple. Like earlier on, it was, um, and even after I went full-time with it, it was like, is there another idea out there that I would do better with? Um, and then there's always that temptation too, especially as a developer, just to you know scrap it all and build everything from scratch or start with something new. Um, and I've had to pull back a couple of times and be like, no, 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 Gavin, get get back to it. Like this is this is something genuinely good that a lot of people like, and it has amazing traction too. So continue on with it. Uh, yeah, and then sort of now as we're, um, it's clear that Acuity is good. There's tons of users, thousands and thousands of users who rely on it every day. Um, but now as we're getting 
we have 15 people working on Acuity 2. It's come to a point too where I have to decide how I want my role to evolve to as we scale up and it's clear that it has to scale up too. Yeah, do you see yourself, like do you have other ideas that you wanna pursue or is like Acuity like sticking with it for another 10 years, seeing what happens or like are those itches getting really, really wanting to be scratched? Man, it was earlier on those itches were, it was, I don't know. It was, it was tough. It was like an STD type of it. Um, but now that has really settled down because, so the other good thing too is that acuity is profitable and growing it slow has helped me, you know, just keep calm, keep profitable. I think that if, if it were unprofitable, it would be, uh, the numbers wouldn't be supporting my decision as much. So I think that I will always keep it slow and keep it profitable. Um, Back then, there was after I went full time too. I developed uh, another product um, uh, called Black Squirrel, which was um, something to help with um, security pen testing and uh, phishing emails. And that was a really awesome one. And it started to get good traction. And I actually did some podcast sponsorships even before I did it for Acuity, and we saw great results from that too. Um, and after a while, I was like, oh my God, I cannot keep both Acuity and this product going as they're starting to grow. So I ended up selling that one. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that I did Acuity too. And the reason that I decided on Acuity instead of that other one too is just, again, because I could have so much more reach with Acuity. Yeah. Well, and you'd leave your mom out to dry. You can't leave mom out to dry. Uh, yeah, that too. <laughs> yep. Sorry, mom. Uh, any, we'll kind of wrap things up here. I appreciate the time, but any like kind of parting words for the people who might be listening to this who are just getting started with a product of their own, a project of their own, a SaaS thing of their own, like what, what encouraging words maybe will keep them going or, you know, maybe even see see some sort of path where they might be feeling like this feels like an uphill battle that I can never get up and climb. Grow slow and grow profitably too made me so much more comfortable. I was never looking for a big win and never after the money. I've turned down so much of that. And then that slow growth has helped tremendously, and I'm so happy that I did. And then the other two is just sticking with it. If you are, if it's clear that you're on to something that people like, just keep going at it. The small incremental improvements are the things that have made it. There's been no clear win. There's been no overnight success. And it's all the incremental hard work over time that has brought acuity to where it is now. Ah, the unsexy answers. I know. I am sorry. No, it's I, I get the same one, so I feel the same way you do. Like it's the truth, though. This is it. This is how you do it. Yeah, it was that time. You know, I climbed Mount Everest and drew the Acuity logo <laughs> on it. That was our. That was the thing that made the software better. I will say that I, I do, I do wish that you would have. And part of that answer is to have fun with it, because I think that's one thing you do really well with Acuity is that you do invest in fun. Oh my gosh, that's a great point too. Because when I left the day job that I loved the whole time, I vowed that I would actually enjoy, you know, doing Acuity. So we, yeah, I like to, I want to go to work and have fun every day and not get burned out. So I have to make the product fun and the team fun and everything else too. So that way I am motivated to work on the product every single day. Yeah, and I think that's super important because I, I, I think that that's even like as you start to hire people or if you have a co-founder or just if you're, you know, I think people get so caught up in like, how do I do this thing the right way, whether that's writing copy or hiring or designing or development. And it's like, do it the way that you can do it that makes you want to wake up tomorrow and do it again. 
you know, and like, what does that, what does that look like for you? And, and I think it's just been fun, you know, like getting to know you and like watching all the little interesting things that you do, but then also knowing you as a person, like you just have fun. Like in our emails, you have fun. You know, there's always fun gifs as we've talked about multiple times, but like when you guys redid the copy in your site, like it was just so fun to read that. And you're like, ah, this is great. This is refreshing. It's not just, Hey, we're a scheduling company and we're going to solve all these things. It's like, no, there's some funny quips and funny things and, you know, other stuff that just keeps people around and, and really makes, I think that difference, which is why I actually think that companies do win when it comes to like search traffic is because Google will go and like the ones that are ranked, like, well, let me look at this. Oh, this does actually do what it says it's going to do, but it's also different. Like it should be ranked higher than the other ones who just have the better keywords. Yeah. It's something, if you draw people in, they enjoy it, they'll read, they'll spend time and that'll help you out in the end. Um, honestly, like we, we've got awesome copy. I love our copywriter and we try to bring that in with everything else. And nine out of 10 people absolutely resonates and love it. Every one out of 10, we piss them off and they're like, how can I turn off the fun? And those are the ones that I'm okay. You're, you're not going to make me happier. You're not going to make me enjoy coming in every day. So we'll, we'll bring smiles to everybody else. Yeah. I'll take your money, but your support requests are at the bottom. Non-fun ever. Like, <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I mean, the support of the Watch Me Write project has been awesome. That was just, you know, a, a complete shot in the dark because I was like, eh, let's see if I can get this done and, you know, bring some companies along with me that will align with the story of this book. And and I have some things under my sleeve for the future when the book actually comes out. So some things that I, as we've talked about and other things like, you know, a little bit of under-promising, over-delivering that I've built into this sponsorship because I had no clue what the two weeks of writing would do, but I know that the book is going to come out eventually. So I think there's some fun stuff there. And um, yeah, I just thank you for all your support and just for sharing some of your story. I hope some people get some really good value to this. I know I do. So it's, it's good stuff. Absolutely. It's fun chatting with you, Jason. I love always sponsoring everything you do because you do it creatively. Uh, well, I appreciate it, my friend. I will keep you in mind for my next crazy idea, whatever it may be. And uh, we'll, we'll keep having fun together. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.